Today on the Bill Kelly Show on AM 900 CHML. Uh, our uh, Hotspot Hamilton uh, feature continues uh, on this program, and uh, we told you we were going to talk about some of the successes, some of the failures, some of the challenges that are going on in our city uh, this day. And uh, we've had some great discussions over the last number of uh, days about exactly what's been going on. But one of the major issues, and maybe... And I think you could safely say maybe the defining issue is when we talk about what's going on in the city right now in the city's future uh, is light rail transit. You've heard of it, right? Uh, it's, a, it's a controversial issue in some people's minds. Uh, some suggest that this is something that absolutely positively has to happen. Others have some reservations. Some are sitting on the fence about this. Uh, we're going to get into it again today. We can talk about the merits of it, but I want to talk about where we are on this and why this has been such a divisive issue in this community. And we have a great panel that are going to talk about this. Carl Anders is here from uh, Raise the Hammer. Good to see you, Carl. Thanks for coming in today. Oh, thanks for having me, Bill. Cheryl St. James, a good friend, of course, uh, who's been here in the past talking about her feelings about LRT. Great to have you back here, Cheryl. Thank you, Bill. And uh, Donna Skelly, who was the counselor for Ward 7 up on the Central Mountain, uh, as Bill Maher used to say, my old job. Your old stopping grounds. <laughs> from way back when. Big and, shoes to fill. Uh, and, and somebody who has expressed an opinion or two on the issue. Good uh-huh. to have you here, too, Donna. Nice to see you. <laughs> but I, I'll, I'll listen, i ask you, but as we know, you guys have all done the program before. Uh, just go around the table. Feel free to jump in, etc., like this. Sure. And uh, this is not going to be Jerry Springer. It's not going to be a free for all. But I do want to have an yet. expression of opinions. Well, not yet. <laughs> we'll give it another four or five minutes. Why has this been such a divisive issue, Donna? I think it's a divisive issue because I think it really does polarize people. Um, like so many things, the city of Hamilton does. We don't and so many things councillors do, we don't always look at the implications of a decision this massive on residents outside the immediate area. And I don't believe we really have engaged citizens from or listened to citizens right across this city when uh, we we worked and, and moved this um, LRT project forward. And when I say the city, I'm not talking about the mountain East Hamilton and West Hamilton in the downtown core. I'm talking about Stony Creek, Dundas, Ancaster, Benbrook, Glanbrook, um, Troy. I mean, these are still parts of a city that we rarely recognize when we make decisions around the city council table. And I think that that's probably one of the reasons it's so divisive. Why Why this mark in this community? And, and I know you've written about this, Carl, and uh, in Raise the Hammer, where Ryan, of course, has, has been on this program many times talking about their position on this. Uh, it, in some people's minds, this is this is a natural thing. But we, we, we've got to get into LRT. This is the future, etc. And you've written extensively about it. Why is there such pushback on this, both pro and con? Um, well, I think for for one, I don't think it's as divisive an issue as it's been made out to be in the media. To be honest with you, I mean, we when you look at the the issue, and I understand Donna's point about the the outer suburbs feeling dis discluded fr- from the debate or from the conversation of this. But there's been a lot of misinformation and a lot of um, some of that. I, I have to say, sorely, is directed at MetroLink's in the city for not getting the information out there fully to all of the residents of the city about the benefits and the, the potential future of 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 this project and the implementation it will have on the city. The other thing I want to point out too is the city of Hamilton is changing. A lot of people either in the suburbs or in the inner city are used to this, the city of the 1970s and the 1980s of industrial, of heavy traffic, of streets and um, our jobs aren't based in industry anymore and 
the major employers of this city all came out in favor. All of our anchor institutions came out in favor of this. I don't think it's divisive. We had a rally in front of City Hall in the pouring rain that got 500 people out to support this project. The no side can barely get 24 people to come out to a, a bus protest. So I think it's not quite as divisive as we've been led to believe. And that's my, my honest opinion. But I think the, the fear comes from change and it comes from the changing nature of this city. We are moving to a tech-based, service-based economy that has a focus on small business and technical jobs, not industry, and we are seeing a lot of high densification happening, not just in the lower city, but on, on the mountain in some of the suburbs. And that change can be frightful, especially if you don't have the information. Let me ask you about that, Cheryl. I think the point well taken here by, uh, by Carl that governments have a, a propensity sometimes to, to undersell or sometimes oversell. Uh, when it comes to information and the dissemination of information on this. I mean, this is this is their initiative. This is the provincial government, and this is Metrolinks that are doing this right now. Mm -hmm. uh, just like the Mulroney government did, did a crappy job of trying to sell the GST, which, by the way, was a good idea. It was just not prepared and, and explained to people properly, but it was... Uh, and they had to pay a price for that. Uh, is Metrolinks and, is guilty right now? Is the provincial government guilty right now of, of not presenting information right now and not giving people an opportunity to make a quote-unquote informed decision? Absolutely, Bill. Um, you know, I've always come here to advocate for the best plan, transportation plan that a billion dollars could, could buy. And, you know, currently, if you're talking about selling, we've probably seen the article in the Toronto Star in which... Um, Basically, there was a questionable um, question brought up about the two GO stations in Toronto. And because of the uh, concerns about why those two GO stations were put forth, we're now asking for Metrolinks to comply with an audit. And Hamilton, we've been saying this probably for the last two years, that we sort of feel that we're in the same position. If you're selling a billion-dollar project, um, that's great for modernized transit. We're, we're all for modernized transit. There's no fear, Carl, whatsoever in that. But if you're going to give the citizens a, a billion-dollar project and um, you're not saving them any money, you know, or you're not saving them time, I'm not really interested in a project like that. So if you're taking it back to transit, um, it's not really a great sell. I don't think Metrolinx has given us. Is, is your concern about LRT and about moving forward in this, is it the cost or is it, is it the eff efficacy of the, of, the, of the idea itself? In other words, this is going to help Hamilton. Do you, do you take exception to that statement? I think it's everything. There's, there's so many factors involved, um, as uh, Councillor Scully would know. But a billion dollars is a lot of money that we could do a lot with, with respect to transit. And if you are telling me that it's not going to save me any time, it's not going to be faster than the B line, why would I want that uh, transit implemented in the city? Um, also, you know, with respect to increasing transportation capacity, ours is actually decreasing uh, transportation, you know, capacity in the city. Bill, may I speak to that? Sure, yeah, jump um, in. The, the problem I have with it, and I've raised it at council recently, and the numbers just recently have come to council, if we were to apply for the funding for LRT today, we wouldn't qualify for it. Our numbers are not there. We don't have the ridership. The numbers for our ridership, our transit numbers on the B-Line and across the city are down. And we don't qualify under the formula that is used with how long it takes and the riders to make sure that this is a viable project. 
So if we were to, to actually use real numbers and apply for this project, we would be refused. I think Hamilton truly has its own LRT, and it's called GO. And we need to look at making our GO service our true rail service. Um, Carl mentioned that the city is changing. I, th I would probably suggest to you that it is changing in that we really are becoming a bedroom community to uh, jobs outside of our city. We have a tremendous number of commuters who, leaves, who leave Hamilton to work in Toronto and other parts of the GTA. If we were to pump that kind of funding into a real GO service with feeder buses um, that, that took uh, residents right across our city, and I'm talking right to Waterdown, for example, that doesn't have really good bus service, then I think it would be much better use of our of our tax dollars. And I think that we, we talk about a divisive issue. I think that's one of the reasons why people were not, they were led to believe in the last municipal election that the mayor was going to have this citizens panel to help guide the decision whether we would move forward with LRT. And they don't believe that that actually genuinely occurred. It was a rubber stamp. And that's what I think why this issue is so divisive. It, there was no real discussion with real numbers and real options. It was, we got the funding, let's move forward. Um, I, I take a, a couple of points of question. I'm not with the mayor's office. I, I can't really speak to the, the mayor's uh, transit committee that you make reference to, so I'm going to step over that one. But you talk about the decrease in ridership and your emphasis on these more buses strategy. Um, City Council, including yourself, voted in favour of the 10-year transit strategy, have yet to come up with funding for it. They keep passing the funding to that onto ridership. The last two years, funding has been placed in fare increases, although there wasn't one this year. There was for McMaster and Mohawk students. And I see these, these grand visions being presented as alternatives to LRT, but we have a fully funded plan that is now at the 30% completion stage. Uh, in terms of both the logistics, the purchase, it's moving forward, and we need higher order transit. Like, Go Transit and LRT are not the same. They're not compatible things. I can't believe that you're comparing them. In the last Statistics Canada, though, we're waiting for new numbers to drop from the latest census, showed that 70% of people in Hamilton work in Hamilton. This idea that we're a bedroom community is, is quite frankly, not borne out by the facts. Now, we'll see what's changed since the last Statistics Canada. Yeah, but we, I we had a report yesterday <laughs> that <laughs> talked about uh, actually increased employment here. Yeah. And and, and the growth is has been in the healthcare and, and the research sector. Well, those are those are local jobs. Mm. Now you're right, Donna. Your point is well taken. Uh, that there are still an awful lot of people who get in the car every day and, and drive to Toronto, Mississauga, Burlington, whatever the case but might I mean, be. And I, I heard from some of them yesterday after we did the segment. But uh, but let me ask you. I want to go back to Donna's point, if I could, for a yep, second. Sure. Uh, and and I guess I'm the guy who's going <laughs> to point fingers here. Uh, I'm, I I think sometimes city council can be their own worst enemies. I'm talking about the body itself. And, and this goes all the way back to the stadium debate years ago. I mean, you know, when all of a sudden somebody in their wisdom or lack of decided, okay, the West Harbor is going to be a great place for a stadium. In spite of the fact that about eight years before that, that same council had decided on a West Harbor plan and said, don't ever put a stadium there. That's what the consultant said. It's a worse place you can do that. And in spite of that, they said, no, no, we can do that. We can do that. Uh, they've done the same thing with transit. I remember the Rapid Ready program, that, and Don Hull, who was the manager at the time, was sat right here at that desk and said, this is what's going to happen. We have to increase the numbers. Um, when we get them up there, we're going to apply for LRT, and it's going to be great. That's, that, that, that sounds like a great plan. Six weeks later, that got thrown out when the Premier came here and said, we're going to do this. And now all of a sudden, forget about the Citizens Panel, forget about the Rapid Ready Plan. We're just going to go full bore into this. I still think it's the right thing to do. The problem is, is you don't have a business case. 
Correct. The city doesn't have a business case. I think they, there should be one, mm. but they haven't taken the time to develop it yet. I, I would take uh, some issue to that. We have 20,000 people who work in the downtown core, most of which statistically drive right now. And the reason they drive is because our transit is so underfunded and terrible. I took the One King bus here to get here this morning. It was standing room only. I had to get into the back door. After I see it goes by this place one. every day. You're right. It's <laughs> packed. So the other thing that I take issue with is transit numbers. Um, we do not have fare counters. Unlike most transit systems, we can account for the number of people that get on and off the buses. So when we start talking about ridership numbers, we don't know. We make rough guesses. We have a consultant's report from 2011 and staff kind of does a dice roll based on but, presto but counts. that students. goes back to my portable council. My they yeah. don't do their homework. But, but it also goes and feeds into the argument that we've just asked for funding to approve a billion dollar project with based on numbers that you've just argued aren't accurate. So I how can agree. We, how <coughs> can we say that we have the because numbers to go Because we're not building this system for now. We're building the system for the future, for the city that's going to be. You don't you but don't create a massive infrastructure investment based on yesterday. You bu build it based on tomorrow. Right. And this is a system that's going to be finished in five or six years that's going to be running for 30 or 40 years. You can't tell me that there won't be a massive number of people, especially as we get higher density buildup. We have companies like Amazon looking to bring 10,000 jobs into the into the downtown core or into the city itself based on us having Amazon isn't looking at bringing... Hamilton, Hamilton is looking to petition right. places There's like Amazon. Between Amazon looking to move here and, and the city, I, I agree. The, but in order for us to make those cases to large companies like that, we need an effective service, and we need a rapid transit service. And buses aren't the answer. But you're throwing it, buses but out. But it's not rapid, Carl. This is not a rapid service. I mean, it is two minutes faster than no, existing beeline no, service not. now. It is not two minutes. It's actually the same amount of time. And if you also, but you see, what Carl? you're basing it on is the HSR scheduling. You're not basing it on the actual ridership. Do you know how money no, skipovers, how slow and Carl, delayed the bus systems are? I know. Every I take minute, but transit every day. Every minute actually mm -hmm. is equivalent to seventy million dollars. So the how, reason why we are how, not how many how much time do you spend on transit? It's not about that. Every how much minute, time have you ever taken a bus from? Yes, Eastgate to McMaster. Yes, I have. And does it take 37 it's minutes? It's not about It that. does not take 37 minutes. What I'm speaking that about... That trip on the bus takes over 45 Carl? minutes. Okay, let, okay, Cheryl, jump in. What I'm speaking about... Then I'll get your response. Thank you. What I'm speaking about right now is one of the reasons why we're not even attached to the go, Carl, is because each minute is equivalent to $70 million. So figure it out. $280 million to bring us to the go. So therefore, we have a two-block pedestrianized walkway to say this is our solution to have a go because we can't afford $280 million to take us to one of our go stations in the city. So this is not rapid. It's the same amount of time to take the light rail transit as it is to take the B line. If you cannot beat the B line, you cannot have a light rail transit. Mm -hmm. So not only are we not saving time, it's basically costing us a billion dollars that we can be spending on something else. We are all for transit. It's just not the right plan for the city. Okay, I'm going to jump in. I, I'm going to give you a chance to respond in a couple of seconds here, too, but we do have to do a commercial break. Uh, but to your point, uh, that it's for the future. I mean, we had the same debate about the expressway project and, and the opponents of it, and I don't want to start re-debating that issue again, uh, always said, oh, you know, th you don't need it. There's no need for it. Well, it's, it's an overwhelming success just based on the number of vehicles that go up and down those roads all the time. So build it and they will come does work sometimes. But let's get into that and a lot more. But let's uh, first of all do a commercial break. You're listening to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML. We continue our hotspot Hamilton feature here on the Bill Kelly Show on CHML. We've got a great panel. We're talking about light rail transit. 
uh, as it pertains to Hamilton's, well, present and future, obviously, uh, as we talk about some of the issues and some of the challenges that our city faces going forward. Uh, great panel here. Carl Andrus is here from Raise the Hammer. Uh, Cheryl St. James, advocate against LRT, who's been with us many times. Of course, Donna Skelly, the Ward 7 counselor. And uh, we're joined also by uh, Carrie Jarvie from the downtown BIA. Thanks for coming in. Great to see you again. Thank you. Uh, great to have you here today. Uh, we've had an ongoing discussion even during the news update here. And uh, I think Carl's convinced both Cheryl and Donna that they're now in favor of it. This has been great. <laughs> <laughs> Did I misread that? I'm sorry. Yes. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Uh, but but I want to talk about, I, obviously we're not going to, uh, I think, conv- change too many people's minds about the points we brought up here, but I think it's important that we get them out here. But I want to uh, move the discussion a little bit, because we started it about the, the controversy and the rift within the city, but I want to talk about how this is going to impact the city. Uh, let's assume for the, so- the time being that this goes forward. Uh, construction downtown, and, and that's obviously where the, the downtown BIA is very impacted by this. And we've talked with Keenan Loomis from the Chamber about this, and and, and I know that, Carl, you're on that subcommittee who formed the chamber that looks into the situations like this. Uh, we had, uh, I'll give you a quick version of my story on this, and, and I'm still, as I say, I'm supportive of the, the concept of LRT, but I'm concerned about the rollout and how this is going to happen. Uh, there was an accident uh, just over here at Main and Longwood uh, the other day, right out in front of the radio station, and I, I watched it at the front window during one of the newscasts. Traffic was backed up on King Street all the way back, way past, I, I guess, oh, the, the bend in the road down by the no-frills there all the way down as far as I could see the other way towards the university. Longwood Road was backed up. The entrance r- exit ramp off the 403 was backed up because nobody could get there. And I thought, that was for a 20-minute accident. When they start tearing this road up, what are we going to do? And I know that, Carrie, the folks downtown are concerned about this too. What are you going to do? How, how do you guys address this? How, what are your residents and what are your members talking about? So our biggest thing right now is trying to be proactive and trying to make sure that people understand that there's a lot of businesses that are going to need to continue operating and are going to need support. Not only from the people who work downtown, but the people who do come down to visit. I mean, downtown has had an incredible resurgence with restaurants and businesses and office buildings that we do need to encourage people to continue to support those restaurants, whether it's you know during their lunch break or in the evening. We do have a commuter issue. I mean, it is going to be an important um, initiative to work on is making sure that people can get to and from work. Um, Not everybody wants to ride a bike to work and not everybody has the ability to take transit. So some people do want to drive. And how do we make sure that people can get to and from their offices? Is, is a strategy that we're working with, and I know the LRT team has, has come up with, has started to do working groups to figure out how we can make sure that the commute works, and really we need to make sure that our people who work downtown continue to support businesses downtown. I, I know that the Chamber actually set up a series of uh, public information sessions. Were you part of that uh, when they were starting to do that, Carl, to get that feedback? Uh, I was part of the initial organization okay. of the LRT Ready and some of the discussions about what was going to be hosted and how we were going to um, present that to, to the community at large, but the, the Chamber took some ideas of local residents and yeah. went well beyond that and working with Metrolinks in ways that we couldn't as individual right. citizens to provide the, the idea. Are, are they developing strategies? Is there a plan to say, okay, if you used to go to the Black Forest or if you wanted to go to, I don't know, so you know to, been, um, to, to French or someplace, how are you going to get there? So there have been um, major discussions that are happening right now, specifically like you're talking about 20,000 people work in downtown yeah. Hamilton, and most of them unfortunately drive currently. Mm-hmm. Um, so there has been discussions about shuttle buses from parking lots at malls. There has been discussion about alternative transit in terms of <laughs> delivery. We're looking very strongly at alleys and laneways. Uh, in terms of their usefulness, especially in the downtown core where it's going to be key because there's quite a number of of alleys behind all of the major businesses that have have frankly been neglected. Mm -hmm. Um, If you walk down any of them, they are 
reminiscent more of the old downtown than the new downtown, and they definitely need an upgrade, and they definitely need refurbishment. So there's all kinds of opportunity there for alternate entrances to restaurants, delivery, but also public and communal spaces for moving pedestrian traffic or delivery traffic through alternative ways. And, and there are some major discussions going on right now around that and how to help the businesses downtown. Cheryl, I know that you've done a, a lot of work and talked to a lot of the businesses up in KW where this is already happening. Correct. So um, officially, as of September 30th, after 25 years, Carrie, we've closed our business on the line. Weird stuff. Uh, not only because of speaking to Kitchener-Waterloo, but understanding that evolving and thriving in the city to have a healing center with construction in front of our business wasn't really, you know, the best thing for our, our clients. Um, and unless you have a doom buggy to get down to these businesses, it's pretty difficult. In fact, regardless of what we do to mitigate, you're looking at a probably 25 to 30 percent of a loss of income for all of these businesses in that area, according to KW. And um, if you are unable to uh, sustain your business with little to no transit for two to three years, it's been recommended to get off the line and to move. So, you know, I appreciate what the COC is trying to do. Unfortunately, um, you can't really force people to shop. We had an antique store. We had large pieces, furniture, uh, you know, chandeliers, whatever. Very difficult to transport and to get through, you know, things like this. And I wish everybody could see pictures like this, right? It's very difficult to maneuver. That's the construction area? Correct. <laughs> so um, moving forward, we decided to, to be ahead of the game and start a new business up on the mountain in order to, you know, alleviate ourselves from this because people deter from construction. In fact, in KW, they started out with about 25,000 cars going down the main lines like we do. And at this point, as of February, they're pushing about 3,900. Another transport uh, study will be done. It's probably going to be about 5,000 vehicles, but that's a, like a lower, you know, decrease. And they're, and they're a year behind. And they're a year behind and as well. And they're a year behind getting this project finished, completed. And if you talk to any of the merchants in Toronto along the Eglinton line, they are, the, the, their business is down. It hasn't been an effective um, opportunity for local business. So and the other thing, Bill, is is what happens after it's built. Forget construction, but after yeah, it's but the construction in, in it's and itself is going to. I mean, how many years are we talking to build this thing? Well, if if you look at KW, you're talking about four or five years. You're mm -hmm. not going to be able to sustain a business. It's no. going to be very, very difficult. And, and I know it's hard for us to relate to that. And the, the, you know, the microcosm solution I can remember is, is two or three years ago they did Wilson Street in Ancaster. Uh, and it was through the summer months, construction season. And guess what? It ran long. Uh, go figure. But And there were some businesses impacted because it was from Halston Street all the way up to right, the Fortinos for people that, that know Wilson Street in Ancaster. Uh, and it looks great now. But while that was going on, and there's a, a very a popular restaurant there and a couple of uh, travel agencies and other businesses that were negatively impacted by this. But they had signs up. There were detour signs. Our Fiddler's Green said, if you want to get to Sammy's, bada-boom, uh, bada-bing, get a tank, follow the sign. And people got there. And, and I guess the business survived because it's still there. Uh, one business did go out of business as a result of that construction. I guess it was because uh, it was shortly after that that they closed down. Now, I don't know if they were in peril to begin with or what. 
But to that point, I guess uh, you can plan for this, Carrie. I mean, it takes an awful lot of work, and I guess some very dedicated uh, consumers and customers to say, I'm going to do it anyway. But you're banking on that, aren't you? We are. We're looking at, we we feel that we have an opportunity to see what didn't happen properly in Kitchener-Waterloo. Like We work closely with our BIA counterparts in Kitchener-Waterloo to find out what they would have done if they were starting now. Like, what would you have done differently? And we really hope we can take the, those models. Like, they said they didn't they didn't have time to start early enough. They didn't have time to do some com, um, effective strategies. We've talked to business owners that actually have some great success stories. Yes, it was construction. Yes, it was it was awful. Yes, it was there was some detriment to their business. Some other great things came out of it. They had some some really great tools that they used. They did a lot of community building. I know the LRT Ready Tonight is on um, customer, um, the CRM solutions and social media. We have a lot of businesses that in downtown that have actually no social media presence that this may be their opportunity to to have a social media presence. Is it going to be their, you know, is it going to save them? I don't know. Our, my job is to not run a digger. It's to make sure that you know what's <laughs> behind the digger, you know, and that there's a reason to, to get there. More to that, uh, Bill. What yeah. I, I'd like to say is because of the lessons learned in Kitchener-Waterloo, there is um, a serious attempt to make sure that construction doesn't happen in more than six-month increments across the line mm-hmm. so that we're not talking about a exactly. line that's torn up from Eastgate to McMaster. You see, that's, that's new time. information to a lot yeah. of people. So um, so we're, we're, that's, we're, that's one of the things that's going on right now. The other thing that people need to remember is Hamilton is a very loyal city. I mean, not just in our brand, in our heart. If you grew up in a city like I'm pretty much sure everybody around the table did, mm-hmm. there's a great deal of loyalty and a great deal of support in this city for stuff. And um, I can tell you the outpourings from local neighborhood associations, communities, especially along the line in the lower city, they are eager, um, bo- almost spontaneously without prompting or or cajoling from anyone. They've popped up independently and been approaching local BIAs, um, local neighborhood associations have been stepping forward to say, how can we help? We know this is coming. And as mentioned with the Chambers LRT Ready, we've got way more of a jump on this than Kitchener-Waterloo had. We're, we're already organizing seminars and a shovel hasn't hit the ground yet. We're already planning business mitigation strategies. We're already talking to to people about their concerns about the lessons learned and I I bring your attention to concession streets there was a major construction uh, refurb that happened up there ask Donna about that Uh, and I I think the end result of it is a much better and much nicer concession street we are talking about a curb to curb upgrade from Eastgate to McMaster that means new sidewalks new roads fresh surfaced streets, substructure infrastructure upgrades, hundreds of millions of dollars of updates that if a business with hopefully with local support can survive, they're going to have a much nicer environment to have a storefront on and a much nicer place to bring retail traffic. The last thing I wanted to say, especially with the Crosstown Eglinton and other especially retail businesses as that when you're traveling up and down Main Street at 60, 80, 90 kilometers an hour, now let's be frank, you're not looking out your window at businesses. You can't even see them. You don't notice their signs, but when traffic's a, a touch slower and when there's h- much higher pedestrian traffic because it's a much friendlier and much nicer environment, that actually drives retail traffic up. So our challenge is going to be making sure that the existing businesses there have the support to get through the you know six to eight months of hardship that's ahead of them and making sure that we can drive customers to them. The last yeah, thing I, I'm just going to play yeah. devil's advocate on that because yeah. I, I don't disagree with a lot of what you said, but don't most of those businesses downtown exist because they're destination locations? Correct. In other words, nobody's driving along King Street and says, ah, I think I'll go and start have a hamburger there. I mean, yes. they, they'll drive say, hey, I want to go to that place to have a hamburger. That'll be their destination. But they, I, 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 I never... There are to, destinations. I, I've supported, I supported yeah. the two-way conversions uh, of, of some of the downtown streets. 
I want to see more of that, as a matter of fact. And I support the... But that, that, that argument seems a little specious. Carl, well, Carl, to, before, Wait, just to respond to, to sure. Bill's yeah, point we'll there, Donna in there. Uh, and then we'll let Donna in, there are destination locations along there. Um, there's no question about them. These, those are the ones that have large subsurface parking lots. There's also a whole bunch of businesses that depend on walking traffic. There's also, if you go up Main and King, a vast majority of empty, empty, empty mm-hmm. storefronts. We're talking about dead space that's not paying taxes, that's a drain on our city, that's a blight on our neighborhoods, that are also there. So I think to say that, yes, some of them are destination retail, some of the, the larger businesses along the line, but a great many of them aren't. They're restaurants, they're corner stores, they're small stores that do actually depend on having people come there. I don't think there's as many destination businesses across that line as, as you would say, and the ones that do do have parking lots and do have alternative entrances. Donna? I was just going to say that I, I don't think people realize that uh, we may not have any traffic in certain parts of the downtown uh, on um, Main Street, um, sorry, King Street. From I think now it's from Queen through to uh, they might even be looking at James or John, where there will be no vehicular traffic. So you have to be very careful. Um, the, no, the there, there's no stopping of vehicular traffic uh, at all. There is. You the International Village will be going down to one lane. One lane. Right. International but Village will be going down it. to one lane. We'll and have two-way traffic the rest of the line. Yeah. So spoke. just to be cl- just to clear, so we're getting correct That's information. That's not true because the information I spoke with a city staffer who said they are now looking at no vehicular traffic within one part of the core because. They, what you're going to have to do is you'll be heading uh, east, get off of King St- Main Street, and then have to sorry King what, which direction King Street, and then have to uh, get over to Main Street, go forward about four or five blocks to get back on. So we're talking about major disruptions to traffic, and and parts of this this major artery that will have no vehicular traffic. Well, and, and oh. we're getting, I know we're getting into some of the logistics here, and, and we'll, we'll get into that f- fine-tuning, but it does present another issue, and, and, and by the way, I, I should mention, just to, before I introduce this issue, uh, we'd invite uh, Councillor Matthew Green to come on the show, too, and he bailed at the last minute, he had a family issue to deal with, and I know we'll, we'll hook up with him later on, but it had to do with that very issue. During this construction, whether they're going to be total closures or partial closures, cars are still going to continue to go. They're going to look for alternative routes, and that means spillover into uh, the surrounding neighborhoods, streets. and and that's a concern. If and we saw this, and, it, and it happened happened during the Concession Street construction. Mm-hmm. It happens in every construction. I don't care if you're building an LRT or you're just painting the road. People are going to start going in and spilling over into this. How does the city plan for that? And and especially because it's not just especially with your uh, responsibility with what you're doing with the BIAs here, Carrie. You're concerned about the whole neighborhood, not for just sure. the street itself. Well, it, this is what I said. I mean, we have great businesses that I think are great destinations regardless of if there's construction. My, my concern is, and it's actually when we're closer to 23,000 people that are commuting in to come to work. How do I make sure that you get to work on time? We have a courthouse. We have you know, lawyers, accountants um, that all work on a pretty straight schedule and how do they get to and from work? Does it have to, you know, is there a way to mitigate it? I'm sure there is. Do we have to start early to do that? I would hope so um, because I, I drive to work. I wish I could take transit. I'm not in that. I don't have that flexibility. It takes me twice as long to take transit to get to work. But so I drive. I'm going to be one of the people who's going to be sitting with everybody else going down York Street. So how we do need to come up with a solution. Do we have time to come up with a solution? I think we do. So it with respect to people working in the core, that's great. But when you're dealing with people that are shopping at a destination to come to a business that may be outside of the core, what they're going to do, Carrie, is they're just going to go someplace else. So if you don't have a niche business, 
you know, we all know that construction causes people to avoid it. And, you know, KW is showing that regardless of whether or not you say, Carl, that the traffic is just slowing down and, you know, they can observe the businesses. It's actually people avoiding that area. You only go down to that area in KW if you need to go down. What one of the biggest opponents, though, in KW, his business, he, when he, at the end of the day, when you asked him, like, he, he, was, he was one that was very, very vocal opponent, constant vocal opponent to the, the Waterloo BIA. His business, at the end of the day, went down 10%. Okay. So at the end of the day, so he, he still doesn't like it. He still yes. doesn't want it to be there. He's now still benefited, though, from the development around. And this is the one thing. Our BIA is going to increase the residential percentage by, I think it's like 27% in the next four years just because of the development based on LRT. Actually, no, so it's, that's it's, it's, it's 12. But, that um, development is happening. That <laughs> argument, I think, can be thrown out the window. Yeah. That development, we can't... Regardless of the LRT, it's happening in I, other I areas. Don't, I don't, because the development at the corner of Houston and, and King did not happen until LRT. And uh, Leona has been very vocal that they, they are developing been, yes. because of LRT. They, Leona has, I mean, they, they have they have a, a world of options of places that they can develop. They chose to develop that property with that mix of residential and of uh, residential and commercial based on LRT. So it's it that's what they have said right. as a developer. So I mean, I would uh, now, and I, I the point's well taken. I'll take those guys at their word because that 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 vacant property sat there for a long long time and nobody was doing anything to it. Uh, I think there is some some validity to that does serve as a catalyst and has for some of the the people that have, have either put their money down or started projects. I've talked to the Splatchies, they say the same thing about the cannot, although, you know, the timeline is, is uh, I, I guess, uh, somewhat questionable when you talk about when they started doing that project. We're out of time. Uh, <laughs> I, I think we've solved just about all the issues here. <laughs> uh, and, and I think everybody's on the same page now, or not, but that's one of the great things about this city is that we can bring divergent opinions together. We can talk about this uh, and, and get it all on the table. And I want to thank all, all of you for coming in here today to do this. The issue's not over yet. There's a lot more to discuss as we move down the road with this and and I'm, I know that we're all going to have future discussions about this and I invite all of you back in here as we do that and go down there. Thanks so much for being Great here today. Thanks, Thank you. Thank you, you much. Appreciate Thank it. You. The Bill Kelly show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.